0: This is episode 89 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 89 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have an exceptional guest in Charles Wad. Charles is a developer. He does a lot of infill development, extremely savvy real estate investor, and he started with absolutely no experience in the industry. He just dove in headfirst into development, took on his first project of over 40 lots uh, for new development, bought a parcel of land. He eventually ended up partnering with a local builder and worked through the process and while he only broke even on his first project it was basically baptism by fire into the business of of doing developments and he's been extremely profitable and successful in this business ever since Charles has an exceptional story. He's extremely interesting to listen to and I certainly consider it a privilege to call him a friend. This episode really doesn't need much introduction so I'll leave it at that. As always I just ask if you're enjoying this content please make sure that you share it with as many people as possible. If you think what I share is helpful please help to make sure it gets into more people's hands. It would be greatly appreciated and of course if you're new to this channel, if you're new to my podcast, I strongly encourage you to go right back to episode one because we Significantly dig into the basics of the numbers, which is something I don't dig into quite as much now for obvious reasons. So, without further ado, please enjoy episode 89 with Charles Waugh. Hello, and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Charles Waugh, developer extraordinaire, on the show.
1: Thank you, very much for having <laughs> Charles. <me.
0: laughs> thanks for coming. Thank you for having
1: me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, this is going to be fun. So, uh, we had a chance to talk some. Some development while we were playing golf uh, a couple of weeks back, and uh, I was too focused on uh, my bad swing and shots (laughs) to uh, to get all the details. But uh, anyways, Charles much but much better golfer than I. Oh, I uh, don't think so.
1: You uh, hit some great shots,
0: (laughs) and you're killing it in the development world. Uh, So, if you wouldn't mind, I mean, a lot of people aren't going to be familiar with your story. So, do you mind just telling us a little bit about you and what you do in real estate investing? Yeah, so
1: I guess born and raised in Hamilton, local boy. Um, I went to McMaster for computer engineering and management. So that's engineering and business. Uh, Long story short, I was a computer engineer for five years, and uh, the company shut down. After that, I jumped into land development and started big. Uh, There was a parcel of land in Ancaster that was available. It was 10 and a half acres. Didn't know what I was doing, but the owners, uh, old Italian couple, they believed in me. So we ended up working months of negotiations. We ended up working through a VTB, so I didn't have to put much money down.
0: So they were the vendor take back mortgage. So they yeah. held the mortgage for you. So the
1: seller financed the mortgage. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like there was a five-year term, uh, 3% interest only. From there, I tried to getting into development, like doing it myself. Six months in, pretty quick in, I, did, I realized I had no idea what I was doing. Wasting money, wasting time. So I went to all the local builders in Hamilton and uh, tried to pitch the idea of working together. I knew that I had uh, valuable, developable land. And obviously, they had the expertise.
0: You um, had it under contract already. Yeah. You already, negotiated the financing. Actually, it
1: was already done deal. And I was trying you to. You already owned it? Yeah, I already oh, owned okay. it. Oh,
0: okay. So you tried to find a partner then. And I knew
1: there, because yeah. it was a five-year VTB, five-year term. If I couldn't de- get done within five years, I was like, done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> we're talking, it was a $1.3 million. To buy the place. To buy the place.
0: And they gave you how much uh, better?
1: 90% VTB. 90%.
0: That's pretty good. What kind of interest rate on that?
1: 3% interest only. So
0: you're doing well on the interest rate. That's still a lot of money. That was like seven years ago.
1: So it it is still a lot of money and it adds up really quick. Yeah. But uh, so ended up partnering, hitting off with a builder, a local builder in Ancaster, formerly Landmark Homes. They're called Live Communities now. And the deal was that they mentored me in exchange that once we got the approvals, we sold off the project to them. So okay, at we, like a
0: market value, or yeah,
1: exactly at market value. And so we we went through. I worked together closely with our land development team. I went there every week. Uh, they moved here in, in Burlington, and um, we got after we got the approvals, they purchased the the project from me, and uh, and then I went off into small small scale infills. Now the thing is, it's interesting. The year after we got together, that's in twenty fourteen. I think we finalized the deal. Yeah, in twenty fourteen. A year later, we got another project together that was even larger. With them as well? With them as well.
0: Yeah.
1: First project, we were proposing 46 townhouses. Second project was 117.
0: And are and you doing this now?
1: Well, that it's all kind of... The first project is now being developed. Okay. It's being built now.
0: You're saying, okay, so you developed it, sold it off to his... With them,
1: in conjunction with them. With them. Because they taught me everything I know. Okay. So they really mentored me through it. And... Um, that's it's, not
0: bad. You get like, paid to go to university, but it's, it's really it's exa- profitable. Exactly. Yeah,
1: that's right. And uh, it's kind of come full circle because my parents are now uh, moving into the townhouse there.
0: So one of the townhouses that are being yeah, sold? Yeah, like
1: in two weeks time. <laughs> it's really come full circle. It's been really interesting. Yeah. Now, the thing I always tell people is like, I jumped in the deep end. Yeah. I was really naive. Actually, if I had the background, I never had no background. My, my parents didn't have any background in development. If I did, I probably would have never taken that on. Cause i've learned there were so many things wrong with it like i'll give you one example i'd even know to check for servicing at, at the street we had to extend 250 meters down the street down the street now it doesn't seem that far but we had to go under a creek that was like really deep oh wow you know how much it cost to hundreds of thousands a million dollars yeah a million dollars holy you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you know, going through the soft costs that's more manageable. We saved up all our money between my family and my parents. Like we we, we were investing in it, but we were kind of like in deep.
0: Okay, so you're doing it with your parents. They, they it was sort... like they
1: gave they, they did like they provide the loans for the startup capital. Okay. But it was really me doing the the work. Okay. And uh, but yeah, the year after that, we took on another project. I had yeah. thought I was already way into deep, and really looking in hindsight, we were. But the second project was just, we didn't think anything of it. We assembled three parcels and everybody had to like, provide vendor takebacks there. And it just, six, after six months, it worked out. We even had to do a severance from the okay. one homeowner, sever off their, their back part of their lot to assemble these three pieces.
0: And did you just like, create a purchase agreement and then work through the zoning element of it? Or? Yeah, exactly, yeah,
1: exactly. But everything was kind of contingent. Like We had yeah. to get
0: all three pieces. So this is creative deal making that you're oh, doing. Oh my goodness, that was yeah. that
1: was fun. And again, with um, my builder builder partner, they helped as well, kind of mentor, go through the negotiation, everything like that. Yeah. But fast forward now, um, that second project was actually quicker than the first project. The first project, I don't know what I was looking for. There was a lot of issues. Yeah. Like
0: let's yeah let's dive into that first project <laughs> a little bit. Like just you know back of the envelope kind of numbers. We'll talk, and and then of course, um, just like what it was. So so you were getting. Uh, you bought it said it was an acre how much so the first project was ten and a half acres ten point five acres yeah. and you bought it for uh one point three what was the end sale price like when you sold it to the, the builder two point
1: uh like roughly two point five it was like two point six five two point around two point five
0: okay, and what did it take to get it from one point three to Two so well, point six five. Okay,
1: so it goes further that we had to assemble another piece of land there.
0: So you had to acquire more.
1: Yeah, another one for five hundred. Okay, so for one point eight was the land cost.
0: So uh, it was another five hundred thousand. Yeah. Okay, so then in there, what kind of expenses did you have?
1: Well, we we had a lot of um, soft costs for consultants to bring it through to a rezoning and official plan amendment. Okay, so
0: let's uh yeah we'll, we'll dive into those a little bit so here
1: yeah the end the end story this one is very quick and easy because you end up breaking even on this project Break even you know what it's better than even like losing a million. No, I mean you went to
0: school. You went to school and you didn't lose money. It didn't cost you anything. That's exactly. cheaper, and it's so much more useful than a university degree. That's right. Uh, so soft costs on that one, like you're talking was, hundreds of thousands. Yeah,
1: it's like rough almost five hundred. Like with like because there was a lot of carrying costs there. Yeah, it okay. So include that included your
0: carrying costs. Did you have to do like? Did you extend the sewer for the million dollars? No, there? Or so no, that not, was like, that's, you know, that's after where you sold. After you sold, they did it
1: exactly. So yeah. you
0: just got the approvals. You got the site plan approval. Actually, we uh, went
1: to rezoning and official plan amendment. So you did the rezoning. They took it after that they took it and the it after reason that? why okay. was originally our deal was we were gonna take it through the site plan and even service the site mm-hmm. but but taking on those two big projects our costs were way too much we were a negative cash yeah. flow like it got stressful quite honestly like it was even within the family we had like all our money invested in these two projects so i went to the owner and i said hey you know can we make a deal um we'd like to sell a little bit earlier you know go through rezoning official plan amendment and then you guys take over and we reset. Yeah.
0: Well, if they, when they approve, so so this is my experience. So when they approve something like that, the people in the city are already aware in the site plan office, they were already involved in the decisions anyway. So exactly. if you're getting a pl- official plan amendment and and zoning change, then they're already really queued up to go ahead and 100%. do the site plan, right? We had
1: already done a lot of the detailed drawings like in advance already. So
0: you already gave them a proposed layout of, of all your buildings? Yes. Uh, like, so you were, how many, how many townhouses? 46
1: townhouses. 46? And again, we worked in conjunction with the builder. So we we provided
0: we did it all together so you got 46 townhouses out of 10 and a half acres oh, here's the thing here's the thing Ten and a half acres
1: only three and a half were developable
0: yeah i was gonna say like <laughs> i thought you would have got a lot more than that <laughs> no
1: yeah. so that's the thing like you know i we thought that we build develop a lot more again didn't
0: know this is a conservation or something like that was,
1: dealt with conservation dealt with this like city of hamilton natural heritage planner um we had to do frog studies, archaeology fish studies, studies, archaeology studies, this is why it cost you tree studies, 000. like any study you can imagine, we did. Yeah. And that's why like even like we some grading issues, servicing issues, yeah. obviously. And so that's why if anything, I guess if you could persevere through that one project yeah. and not lose your shirt.
0: That was then a good you no, know, yeah. You've
1: learned like you've learned a lot in <laughs> that one project.
0: You are now ready to move to the next stage. That's which is profit, obviously. Um, it's just it's just crazy how much you had to do there. Like what what made you think before you got started that you would be profitable? Just hope. Just hope. So you no. just saw something, like, I should be able to do this. You know, at
1: the beginning, like I did some back of the envelope calculations, yeah. but I was missing so many costs. And like, you know, I didn't even know what development charges were back then.
0: Right, right. So you didn't didn't even even know when you bought it, you didn't even know the development charges, the plan or anything. You learned it all. Yeah, No, exactly. Honestly, at the beginning, I
1: think it was, there was some rough numbers. Mm -hmm. But it was more hope and maybe some stupid confidence. (laughs) Yeah, did
0: somebody inspire you? Like, did you have somebody?
1: You know what? I always was interested in development. I like the process of taking something from a concept through to, to actually building it um and uh yeah it was just kind of some, an interest of mine and i just jumped in okay it wasn't necessarily like a particular project or something that inspired me i just yeah. like seeing development and things happen
0: so for me, I had seen this guy that was developing these duplexes. He was taking these single family homes and he was developing to duplex, which doesn't isn't much now, but this was back before secondary suites were allowed. So he was going through site plan approval wow. and going through all the studies that he needed to do for each one. Yep. And he would take these little houses he bought for like 150 knock them down. He'd be selling something for 600 when he was done. Wow. So he's built in for like 250 and he was just doing it one after another after another. So me thinking, okay, well, <laughs> this guy can do it. I can do it. Oh, man, did I get slapped around. And I've talked about that on this podcast a few times. <laughs> um, so it's obviously not uh, for the faint of heart. Right. And I just had Carmen on again to talk about development. And, yep. you know, Carmen swings for the fences when she does development. Yep. And, uh, you know, we, we were talking about taking singles. That was when, I, when we were golfing. We were talking, you know, yeah. you don't need to hit a grand slam every time or a home run every time.
1: Carmen's a power hitter.
0: Yeah, power hitter, (laughs) power hitter in the development game.
1: You know what? You're you're right though. Some days I wonder what are we doing development for. You know, I mean, some days obviously there's ups and downs. Yeah, but the thing is, I find that there's a lot of nimbyism So nimby not in my my backyard. backyard. Yeah, so you know, a lot of neighbors. Even if you're proposing what you're proposing is good, and again, for me, born and raised in Hamilton, a lot of our developments are in Hamilton, and even outside where we're working in Saint Catharines, we want to help these communities. That's that's part of it's really fulfilling. Uh, Especially being a local boy. But a lot of the neighbors, they don't agree, necessarily agree with what you're doing. They don't think what you're doing is positive. Or they don't, here's what I find I feel in lots of people, it's very common that people don't like change in general, whether for good or bad, they don't like change. Yeah. So that's been, that's been tricky. And then secondly would be dealing with a lot of the municipalities. Like it's just, you know, you know what it's like. It's tricky. Like, well, for one, um, lots of delays, lots of delays and they're obvious they don't really think of the economic impact they don't think about carrying costs they don't
0: care (laughs) quite frankly and and i i'm not to diminish them or or put them down i don't mean to sound like that but they just don't care like they work for the city they get their paycheck either way they don't internalize your fear they don't internalize your urgency um so you have to politely stay on them you have to be the squeakiest wheel ever but the time frames they give for site plan always upset me so much i'm like what? It's going to take how many months? Like They just take forever to get back to you. Exactly. And that's why I actually avoid development. I mean, I I had my first crack at it, and I've been involved in helping out with some of the projects uh, with with Profunds and Valor. But um, in terms of my own personal ones, I'm like, I don't like that risk. Right. So I guess the the key question is, um, what to you makes it worth the risk? What do you see in it? And how do you set yourself up so that you've got a contingency plan if plan A doesn't work out? Right.
1: So what I've transitioned to, uh, we didn't talk about about the second project, but after that, after we finished off, sold those, um, got into small-scale infills. Small-scale infills are a lot more predictable. And so, you know, the contingency plan there is a lot more straightforward as well. And the timelines are are a lot shorter. Capital requirement is a lot less as well.
0: So are you searching for, you're talking about searching for a house in an existing neighborhood that has extra land? exactly and even if it doesn't fully conform with zoning you might go in for a minor variance try and sever the land all at once that's right okay do you ever do zoning changes with that
1: with the small scales the typically the rezoning doesn't make sense okay it'll make the project infeasible right typically we're we're looking for uh consent to sever and some minor variances
0: so consent to sever uh that's going to come from uh the committee as well right Committee of adjustments as well exactly so so just for anybody who hasn't been through this have been through varying parts of it. Um, so you, you, you basically, when you go in for a minor variance or for a consent to sever, uh, the city staff is going to make a comment. So the city's engineers and, and what have you, they're all going to comment. Zoning people are going to comment. Uh, and then they give those recommendations to the Committee of Adjustments. And the Committee of Adjustments has the ability to make a decision and say, yes, we agree, we're approving it. Or no, we don't agree, and we're going to send you to the, the So which has happened to you, right? Yeah, so
1: yeah. on our latest project, the one that we're currently constructing, we okay. actually got rejected the committee of adjustments.
0: And this is for a duplex, right? Or, or sorry, is, just two separate houses, it's a, two semis that we're building. Two semis, okay. So
1: I'm going to step back a bit. We like the strategy that we like to employ is called we like to call it keep and sever. Where keep you and sever. Keep the existing house, and you sever to create additional lots. Okay. And the reason for that is there's a few reasons. The number one would be to be profitable in small scale infills, you need to reduce your land cost. The land cost is the most important on the development right. side for the small skill and field. Now, if you demolish that house, and let's say you paid $300,000 for that lot, yeah. well, now you, you, you know, your land cost is at $300,000, whereas, that, and that's exactly, we paid three, actually, for a recent one, we paid three twenty on mm-hmm. there. And, but when you keep the house, and we recently just sold it for three hundred, yeah. now you're, the lots that you severed, the land cost is a lot, a lot, a lot less. Okay, so you give, retain a lot of the value. Give me
0: an example of just up to that point. So, so, what would you have paid for the house initially? That
1: one would pay 320
0: So, you pay 320
1: And then we got, and then another nice thing about the keep and sever by keeping the house, you retain the value. You can also qualify for traditional financing, right? Traditional mortgage financing. Oh, okay. So, we finance that 80% loan to value. We only had to put 20% down to acquire that lot.
0: Okay, okay. So 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 you do the initial purchase at three twenty, yep, go through the planning process and then at the end of that you, you are in fact selling the house though, right? And just keeping the land? Exactly. Or you're selling off the land. Well
1: sometimes sometimes we keep the house. And
0: this, in the this case
1: we sold the, the house as well. Okay. Um sometimes we sell the new houses, yeah. but sometimes we keep them as well.
0: So if you purchase for, for three twenty, yeah, how, how much would you be spending to get to the point of a severed piece of land?
1: Good question. So to you have your initial twenty percent down. And any rentals that you might do to the to existing, house. existing okay. house. Now, for this particular project, we, we didn't do any renovations to the house. No renovations. We had already good. assumed tenants. Okay. And that's another benefit there. Because now you can have rent coming in to help mitigate your costs during the development process. Because, yeah. you know, carrying costs
0: will kill you. Right. And this is why I've I've said this so many times on this podcast. If development potential is great... It's just really nice if you can have cash flow along yeah, the way exactly. while you wait, right? Because people don't have this urgency; they don't feel the urgency you do. That's right. Um, yeah, that's right. absolutely. So, so soft costs on that to get to severed. So, soft costs
1: uh, to get to approvals typically on a small scale you, infill. You're looking at forty to sixty thousand dollars. Okay, so let's just
0: say sixty. 000. On that
1: one, we were we were at rough almost sixty. Okay, actually, around sixty because we had to go to Alpat.
0: And we can go and to that story. That's whole extra year, right? We can go
1: to that story as
0: well. We yeah, we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> so whole whole extra year. So so it cost you sixty. So you're in 60 for three hundred and eighty.
1: So sixty is going into development approval. Okay. Okay. So that's the point where you get severance. Okay. Okay. And then after that is to go to the building permit.
0: Right. Then you're going to pay for your permit and all you're that stuff. You're going to pay the permit on, but, all that but stuff. it's developed at the point you're describing. That land now has value.
1: You've already increased the value of a lot. You've technically already made money. Like yeah. you can now go and sell off those severed lots. Yeah. And we always say, the one thing that we like about, about small scale fields, there's a lot of flexibility. At that point that you've got approval, you've got a lot of value, you could sell off the lots to mm-hmm. a builder. You could construct and build yourself. You yeah. can you know, hold the house, sell the house. Right. There's a lot of options there. So which what would like. you
0: say, I think this is St. Catherine's that you're talking no, Saint about. St. Catherine's right? is a particular project, yes. Yeah. What would you say that's worth that, uh, that specific, just at the point you described? So now so, you've got the existing house, which let's just yep. say it's still worth 320. Yep. And then what's that parcel of land? I would called? say
1: the lots are worth each about
0: $100,000. And did you sever how many? Two. You severed two off. So two. you have 200000 So your total value now is going to be, uh, so we'll call it five twenty. Yep. So it took you a year. Um, now, in terms of what you had to put down, you put down 20%. Exactly. But at the end of that, now you can just sell off those lots and you'll be in for zero on the property. Exactly. If you want.
1: Well, we have sold off that, that house. We sold it for three hundred.
0: So, sold it for three hundred. Okay. So it's
1: tw- 20000
0: so you're 20000 in on something that's worth two hundred. So you've got $180,000 of manufactured equity. Plus the soft costs.
1: So there, let's say we spend
0: the sixty. dollars oh, so, so then spend- our cost
1: for the land would have been the twenty from, you know, we bought for three twenty. Twenty so plus sixty. Okay, so 20 you
0: have $120,000 of manufactured equity there. Exactly. Sweat equity. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just done a little bit different. Like we're normally talking about renovations. <laughs> uh, Charles, you're more renovating with your pen, your pencil. That's uh, right. Your email. Um, yeah, so that's and obviously... In terms,
1: in terms of contingency plans. Yeah. So for these cases, lot of a lot of our projects there's there's enough land to do another set of semis. Yeah. Now if the semis don't work, plan B could be going down to a single.
0: So you're saying instead of so so those those two lots, you're saying so a semi detached, one semi detached on each lot. In other words, two units total, splitting the lot line.
1: Two units total, splitting the lot line. Splitting yes. the lot line. Okay.
0: Yeah. So uh, and that was Probably the 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 way to maximize floor space inside the unit, rather exactly. than do two separate houses, because it wouldn't have got as much floor space.
1: Plus, we would yeah. have needed more variances. More variances, and we yeah. we always balance the approvability yeah. um, to risk reward, right? Right. Yeah. So we try to do things that are more approvable, and what we think is obviously good for the uh, the community as well. And so we thought that two semis was was probably too much. One the semi one semi dwelling, two units we thought right. would be great.
0: Okay, so you got your two units there. And what, uh, what's the plan now? Did, did you end up... Well, you did sell the house.
1: Sold the house. Yeah. And now we, are, we just started digging this week, actually.
0: Digging the foundation for the semi. That's right. Okay.
1: They build two semis. And then the other interesting thing is we normally add secondary suites as well. Mm-hmm. So in those semis, it's actually going to be four units.
0: Are you keeping this? We're going to hold them. These yeah. are
1: great cash flowing assets. That would we, be amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. So now, interesting, what we've done is that we've gone from one unit, okay, single family house, to actually six. Now, I'll tell you how.
0: Did you convert the house too?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We got the permits on the house and we sold that off with permits.
0: Oh, so you just got the permit for the secondary suite so that people knew they could do it. We didn't
1: want... We we looked at our projects on the go. We're like, you know, we don't want to deal with the rental. We'll sell that off to someone. It'll be a good uh, asset for somebody to renovate and hold. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to focus on the construction portion.
0: Yeah, that's... uh... I guess the question I have for you now at this point is you could have just cashed out potentially if you'd known a builder and sold them the lots and and got your 120 in profit. Yes. And then just walked away. Yeah. Um, Why didn't you, was it just for the sheer desire to hold property or did you think there was more equity, more sweat equity you could create so that you you had more equity than 120 when you were done building those?
1: Yeah. A couple of reasons. One is yes, we believe that we can add more sweat equity into it. Secondly, we're trying to build. We, we enjoy the building component as well. Uh, we don't. We do just because it's. We enjoy it, but we also think that we can make extra money yeah. by doing it. And then I guess the third reason would be that we actually want to try to build up our our portfolio and hold these as, as you know long term assets for mm-hmm. for wealth creation.
0: So what do you think you'll spend um, on the build for the semis? Oh. <laughs>
1: Well, if you asked me this six months ago, it would be a lot different answer than it
0: is today. Uh, because, because of, of lumber and <laughs> oh everything. Oh goodness.
1: Lumber wow. itself yeah. right now, most of it is doubled. and Yeah. You eight know,
0: bucks for a two by four by eight right now. Eight bucks for a stick. Yeah. Actually, I used to pay a $1.85 plus tax for that. Yeah. $1.85. In 2015, I could get it for $1.85.
1: And my assistant just sent me a message right before I got here. Eight ninety-five. Or two by
0: four now. Oh, so it's gone up. Well, I mean, I, I told her that
1: that's that's too much. because like, right now it should be between. Like, oh, is that a
0: stud, like a pre-cut yeah, stud? Yeah. Yeah. Right. If we look
1: at like seven thirty, seven dollars thirty cents to like eight something. Eight ninety-five is the highest I've heard, and it keeps going up.
0: I don't even remember the last time I saw more than four bucks for it. Like, exactly. I think the one I was I just built. I, I think we were paying around four bucks at worst. That's right. Um. So so th- this is how dramatic that change is. So on a semi like yours. I don't know how many studs you're going to use, uh, 2 by 4s but you can imagine the other ones have gone up too. I mean, you're probably looking at an extra $10,000 in lumber even to more. 20, 10 even, to 20. Even
1: more. I think our, our extra lumber costs, we're getting a revised takeoff and quote for our lumber like this week. Yeah. I think it's going to go from about 25 to 50 grand
0: i think it's gonna so double, uh, double like that double it's scary Which, i'm really scared I mean, to see that quote <laughs> so some of the things like you know when i say lumber like i i think of my building supplier uh you know everything from tyvek nails yep. lumber you know exactly. caulking. but lumber is the driver right you certain you have like things like code board and insulation but that's more drywall side yeah yeah you're right The the major driver is your lumber exactly and like Okay, so, so, so bring here's- this back to the economy, <laughs> good God, what is gonna happen to resale homes when new homes have to become, you know, ten percent more expensive? All is gonna go up. Our market outside of Toronto I am expecting to just keep going up right. and, and then to explode because of this crazy inflation that we're going to have. I, I really do believe we have a, a, a storm of inflation coming right. because of everything that's happening right now. So different story. <laughs> but but you know, what can we do with that? I mean, I'm sure we can get into some discussions about you know, how we take advantage of these opportunities. Right.
1: So but in total, uh, our last estimate that we had done, not including the updated lumber, because we're yeah. going to get that quote this week, was roughly $670,000. Like 70. Now, that includes the finished basement suites in there. So, four units within those mm-hmm. semis. And yeah.
0: So, for, for context, that's, uh, that's 167 5 per unit, if you want to break it down that way. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's not an apartment building. This is different. These are better quality units than right. an apartment and building.
1: And then, everybody likes the The number one question is, what's the dollar per square foot? And then, what I like to say is, like, it, it, everyone's definition of dollar per square foot varies, I find. Some people include servicing, some people don't include I, servicing. I wouldn't.
0: Yeah, I would just do hard costs on the unit. Same yeah. as me. Yeah. So
1: we're to answer that question from pre-COVID, uh, we could be anywhere from 160, 140 to like 160. Mm-hmm. It depends on the quality of the build that we're looking at. Sure. So if we're looking at a rental, we're we're usually trying to aim for that 150 mark.
0: Right. Okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But if
1: we're doing a for sale unit and we've done for sale units we're probably going to be closer to 160, 165 because it's going to be higher end finishes. You and do more. some
0: quartz and things like that. It, it, well, in the yeah. rentals,
1: we still do quartz actually. Oh yeah? But yeah. I do too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just don't see the reason not to.
1: Right. It's like expected nowadays.
0: Well, and it's not that much more. Right. I mean, later on to replace it, it's going to cost a lot more. And I think it's, a, it's, it's one of those things you can spend just a little bit more and it, it means a lot more to the tenant. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you're thinking 165,000. What do you think that semi is worth well, okay, so you've got build 670, uh, and then we've got interest. What do you figure you're going to pay interest in carrying?
1: Carrying costs, they're like for the, maybe $20,000. 20000
0: Are you getting private financing, or are you guys just doing it in cash? So
1: that includes, so for the life yeah. of the project, it's probably going to be about twenty five total.
0: Twenty five.
1: Now, for the construction itself, we get construction financing. So right. 75% is, is financed. Yep. Uh, we work with, uh, we have a good relationship with Meridian Credit Union. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, so they require 25% equity. So the way that we do it is that we will put up our own capital to go all the way till like, let's say framing. Okay. And then that's when we'll get our first draw.
0: Then they start, they start spitting out cash. Exactly. (laughs) Now we
1: have like, everyone has their different strategy. Like depends on, we we have a cash flow statement. We look at how much cash capital we have allocated for this project and we kind of see when we're going to need our draws. Right. We try to limit the number of draws that we, we take. We try to do three or four in a project. Because they charge you a fee each time? But there's going to be a fee each time. You know, you'll go through lawyers and everything.
0: And so, it's kind of an annoying process, too. There's a lot of red tape.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: It's a lot better if somebody just gives you a big lump of cash in your bank account and you just spend, spend, spend. But unfortunately, people like security and uh, yes. they don't, you know, we, we have laws, obviously, around Construction Lien Act and, and right. all that stuff. So they have, to, um, they have to allow for that. Now, for those who don't know, there is a Construction Lien Holdback What are you typically doing as far as a process? So ten percent, they hold it back for how long?
1: Uh, They hold it out for the duration, actually. Duration. So for the draws, they'll they'll hold back ten percent and just right to the
0: end. Exactly. And there's there's got to be a way to get that out sooner, right? I mean, for for trades, you got to hold it back for sixty days, on right. And you right. can give it to them. Of course, some builders will actually hold it back the whole time. And I'm guessing that's because their lender holds it back from them. Exactly. So people are just passing on the hold back. We've, Super frustrating. We've built it in, but I don't yeah. know. It may be
1: something we need to look at.
0: I Eventually, there's a way to get it released after six Probably. Yeah.
1: I should probably look into that.
0: <laughs> it's nice to get a little extra cash. Like it, 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 sometimes it feels like building's a very cruel game, it's very cash intensive. Because, like you said, you have to come into a certain point seventy five percent all they're going to give you plus they're going to take off another ten percent, so more like sixty seven percent is what they're going to with like that yeah.
1: six seventy in, in our build costs like we we always put contingency we yeah. recommend putting uh it depends on your level of expertise obviously your experience five to ten percent yeah ten percent I think would be like a safe uh, number to put in for contingency, but that's included in there because things always pop up when you're when you're building
0: right, right. so okay, so in terms of your total Acquisition and build. Let's good think you see. got the calculator here? Oh, I always have the spreadsheet <laughs> out. I always have the spreadsheet out. Okay, so let's see here. So you've got the six seventy, the twenty thousand dollars. You're in for five twenty on the lot less the one twenty of equity that was created. So you're in for about uh one million ninety thousand. Sounds about right. At the uh at the end. Yeah. At least that's that's what you're on target for doing. Okay, so what will you figure your value will be at that point? So each of
1: those semis uh, estimate based on today would be worth about six fifty each.
0: Okay, so uh, value is going to be. And then the house six. is already
1: sold for three hundred, so you have six fifty times two. Yeah. Plus three
0: hundred. Okay, so six fifty times two. So I already I already factored in the house there. So this is just looking after the house uh, profit was realized. So you had we talked about it. You had basically one hundred and twenty of built in equity before. However, if you go ahead and finish it to build, and this is based on today's values, you can turn that 120 into looks like 210. Yeah, 210 in equity. Right. So you're creating even more equity through building. And I'm assuming you've got a good list of trades. And are you self-building? You we, do. We, we self. You general contract it yourself. We do. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Same here. <laughs> we've talked about this before. Um, it's funny, yeah. Charles and I are, have a lot in common in, in our approach and how we've done things. We started doing development early, got kicked in the teeth a little bit, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and then got into building in construction.
1: And even for building in construction, yeah. I had no idea what I was doing.
0: Same. Jumped into it a few years ago.
1: Uh, you've met uh, my builder partner for the construction side, yes, Steve Ford. Steve, yeah. Uh, he, you know, he's the expert for the construction side. So it's nice because yeah. I can lean on him for, for yeah. advice and stuff and. He's, he's really running the show in terms of the construction. Yeah. I'm more of kind of assisting. My expertise is on the development, the acquisition, yeah. the development and financing side.
0: Yeah, and I, like, uh, I really like that uh, your approach in terms of like with development, you worked with the developer. That's so smart. And I think so many people need to learn from that. Like yeah. come with an opportunity, add value, and then you just, you just absorb everything like a sponge, just yeah. absorb the whole process. I always say I'm not yeah. the smart guy. You surround
1: yeah. yourself with smart people, right? You partner or you find mentors where you surround yourself with people who are experts in those fields. And that's, yeah. that's all I've done. Even on the development side, I partnered with the, that builder. They taught me all the development side. Yeah. With Steve, uh, you know, I've learned a lot of the construction side, yeah. and I've taught him a lot of the development side. So it's really important to network and surround yourself with yeah. people that you, know, you want to you know, do things with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you you're doing it the right way and I really do find like when you work with a business partner or somebody with a, a common goal and they have a different skill set, like you really push each other. 100%. And when I, I had a similar model. I was working with a business partner of mine and we were doing student rental flips. The opportunity's not the same now, so we're not doing that right now, but I would love to actually do another project with him because just the way we push each other. Right. You know, he's really good with the money and like anytime I <laughs> say I I would just say, "Hey, hey Mike, we need $400,000. I just signed up another deal." He's like, how, how soon like what when's the closing day I'm like four weeks he's like okay don't worry about it <laughs> that was literally the conversation i'm like no you, you gotta you gotta be kidding me like that's it like he's like yeah i mean don't worry about it right it's, it's there you can leave that out of your mind i'm like you don't know what a relief that is because yeah. i never feel like that i never do right i always feel like i gotta worry about it
1: well we're um, not the experts at everything that's why you yeah. need a team all the stuff yeah. you need
0: a team yeah i, I miss that i i want to i want to have uh you get back to less things Come to on. worry about yeah, yeah. <laughs> more of a team yeah because i'm I'm very much uh like i do have a team on the ground and we've talked about this with a site supervisor and and i have some general laborers and um and now i have people who are not my employees but they're putting in a lot of work for me these days um it's so critical so critical to have that
1: and let's face it like entrepreneurship if you do stuff on your own it's boring it is It's like lonely it's boring it's so much more fun to have a team you know and and uh share the experiences and and you know go through the journey together so that's been, yeah. it's, it doesn't, a lot of times this doesn't even feel like work right. with, with our team.
0: And I think that probably helps because, I mean, I admittedly don't feel any sense of urgency right now. Like, I don't need to do a deal. Right. Which is kind of a dangerous thing. <laughs> <laughs> it would probably be better if I did feel like I need to do a deal. Well, even for yeah. myself,
1: like, I look at how many projects we have on the go. And we typically have, like, eight to ten projects at various stages. We have yeah. a few flips, a few developments going through approvals. One construction project, and yeah. that's typically what we're doing. And it's like, do we need to take another deal? And like, it's hard to say no to good opportunities. And yeah. I just, I, th- I, feel like we almost take on too much. Right. right? We're, we're it's, it's inter- like we love what we do.
0: It's very interesting yeah. to us. So give me a rundown of the, the properties or the projects you got going on. You got the St. Catherine's, uh, two, the semis.
1: St. Catherine's semis. So yeah. we just started construction there. Yeah. Um, we have uh, a few flips. Those okay. are in Hamilton. In One's Hamilton. being listed tomorrow. I'll have to send you the listing. Sure, yeah. I want it. to It's a yeah. major transformation. Yeah. Uh, then we have uh, a few development. So one, develop, one development project that's a large one. Mm-hmm. So where I live in, in uh, Westdale, near McMaster, okay. in Hamilton, uh, I'm proposing a six-story student residence there. Six-story. Mixed-use building.
0: Um, and what again, is it now? What's the land now?
1: It's two commercial buildings.
0: There's two commercial with buildings. With a large uh, okay.
1: parking lot. Uh, acquired that almost three years ago. Still going through rezoning.
0: So you, are you cash flowing on it though at the moment? No. That one's no. cash flow negative. How, how negative?
1: About 2000 a month.
0: 2000? Oh, that hurts. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. So the juice has got to be worth the squeeze on that one. It,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But that's a long-term play. So the yeah. larger developments, we're looking at typically like five years to, to turn around. Yeah. Again, that's why you really have to, really helps to mitigate your costs with, with the rent. Yeah. So that's one big project. Uh, the next one I would consider a medium-sized project have an old industrial slash commercial building that uh, we are converting and renovating into eight residential units. Okay. A and how long, cool project.
0: You, how long have you owned that?
1: Owned that for just over a year.
0: Over a year. Okay. One. And where are you at with that?
1: That one, we're going through site plan.
0: So you're going through the site plan approval process. So the is already, already there?
1: Zoning's already in place. Yeah. So that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous owner had already done it many years ago. We would just have to go through site plan, the site plan process. We've got conditional site plan approval, just working through the conditions now.
0: Okay, so you just have to meet all their conditions and you're good to go. Exactly. So that one's
1: relatively, yeah. you see the light of the inner tunnel. like yeah. it's, it's just a matter of time before we get that one done, then to building permit.
0: Okay. And what just to give people some context what type of things did they ask you for because you're taking in an existing building i'm assuming you had to do studies on environmental on the inside yes to show like it wasn't contaminated space so it's suitable for for residential use yes
1: so we had to dig a bunch of boreholes inside now, this the was building all, this is actually all outside
0: oh all outside, all outside.
1: okay um most yeah. of it was actually clean but there was a couple spots that were contaminated which i was aware of uh now we're coming to larger developments we can do a whole different podcast yeah. about larger developments. But, uh, you know, small scale, we don't really typically deal with environmental. For the larger developments, we do. And so we had to go through the full uh, record of site condition. So go through phase one, phase two, remediation, and eventually get record of site condition from the ministry. Oh, man. What did that cost? That, that took, oh, that's 50,000. 50,000. 50,000. And yeah. that wasn't, uh, that was the cheap way of doing it. We did something yeah. called a risk uh, assessment. Meaning what? What the ministry accepted? We put a proposal to cap the um, the contaminated areas. It was all okay. in the parking lot. It's not like they they knew that we weren't excavating. We weren't yeah. changing the site at all. Right. So they were okay with us just doing a hard cap over the contaminated soils. Oh, okay. And that was way cheaper. You're talking. Yeah. You're talking like, you know, five five ten thousand for that. If we had done dig and dump, just to give you uh, in comparison, to dig and dump, and like, we dig it that, all
0: out, remove it, and replace it with, with engineered fill. Dump. Yeah.
1: yeah. Five hundred. I think we got a quote for mm-hmm. 000. <laughs> five hundred sixty-five thousand dollars. Five
0: thousand versus yeah. five hundred
1: sixty-five thousand. You know what I mean? Oh, like, that's incredibly It's, a, it's a big yeah. difference.
0: So Carmen actually has one we didn't talk about on the podcast, but uh, she—it's probably one of their most profitable ones. It's in Burlington. Um, and uh, down near roseland and it was a, a so a, a real estate office and a bowling alley and there were contaminants and that's why like these guys didn't even want to list they, they did list the bowling alley and the other one was just thrown in um the realtor set it up right but anyways um everybody was just running away from this because they knew it was contaminated and they didn't know how much it would cost well carmen i guess Tied it up and they figured it out. I think it cost them like two hundred grand. Right.
1: But they what was the uplift there?
0: I think they're looking at one hundred and eighty six units oh, in, wow. in like one of the most desirable areas to live in Burlington. Wow. So I don't know the <laughs> amount, but I mean that's like ching. The like, risk the reward
1: <laughs> was pretty good in that one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. She you know she knows what she's got, and I you know it's nice when you've got multiple irons in the fire, so you can afford to pay. You know, if it's two thousand dollars a month negative cash flow, uh, you have other things that produce cash that can cover that. More established developers can handle that kind of kind of thing a little bit easier. Right. Yeah.
1: So for me, that's why I have different facets of the business to be able to mitigate those costs. You know, I'm not a builder that's been there for like decades that has all this cash to build a land bank. I can't land bank. Mm -hmm. I need to take a project and I need to run with
0: it. Yeah, you need to get it done. I need
1: to get it done. Yeah. That's why when we talk about provability you don't try to. I don't push for the densest like or most money. Yeah. Try to find something that's, that's a reasonable compromise. And so what I do is with the small, you have the flips that are that are quick. Yep. Okay. They turn around cash. You put those into other projects. You have small scale infills that are like one to two years, mm-hmm. and those also are shorter term. Could put into the larger development. Yeah. So they all kind of the kind of a waterfall system. So yeah, you're meeting
0: other. multiple needs. You're meeting short term cash flow needs. You have exactly. long term uh, ones that will pay off and hopefully be more profitable. Like, it, what's what's your average flip uh, profit? You typically like around fifty thousand. Fifty
1: thousand. If, if, if sometimes, and I would say you make it really truly on the buy. Mm -hmm. the buy is so much of it yeah sometimes we might get a buy where we did really well and you might be pushing 75 sometimes maybe pushing the 100 mark but typically you're looking at 50 to 75 and it's probably closer to 50 we're trying to always uh, be more efficient with our processes we're trying to push towards that 75 try and push yeah so are you
0: buying just off the market like, on, like listed on the market? You know what?
1: A mix. We, uh, we buy on the market. We buy off the market. Yeah. Through the network, people send out So us you have some wholesalers
0: well. that are contacting wholesalers, you. Wholesalers,
1: but even people who know what, what I do. It could be yeah. friends. could be people that you know from high school. to reach out. Hey, look, mm-hmm. my, my grandma is looking to sell a property. Actually, recently, I, I did one like that. Where oh, nice. A, a, grand, a grandmother moved out um, to a nursing home, and, and we came and we, we purchased the property privately. But I, I, even though we still look online, there's, there's, still, there's always deals there's always opportunities to be had now yeah. we're not at this stage where we're very busy so it's not necessarily myself or my team that's looking out on the market yeah we have realtors that, that send us deals and then we look take a look at them
0: yeah now of course like you said it's done on the buy right is it worth it to you like i don't know you know manny cabral right i do yeah, he's yeah good guy talk, talks about how yeah. how much he uh he has a system to create constant leads for himself right is that something that you guys will consider at some point to, to keep your, your lead flow coming in? Yeah,
1: maybe. You know, he's a lot more uh, systemized than we are. Mm-hmm. We don't have too much of a system. We just let, let like, leads. This looks good. <laughs> yeah, leads come through. We look at it. Yeah. And if it's good, we take it on. We, we still, yeah. also, we, right now, we're trying to be more cognizant about our capacity as well. We have a yeah. very small team. So, and in terms of the flips, it's all done internal. With the construction, we can scale because that's all subbed out. Yeah, we can sub out more crews, but on the flip side, it's all internal, and we only ha- we only run one crew, so we're very cognizant about how much we take on.
0: Oh, so those are your employees for the for the flips?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay, so how many employees do you have working well, I have, in your company? I have
1: two, only two employees.
0: Two employees, very small. So teams. one's your admin.
1: One is my assistant slash bookkeeper. Yeah, um she's amazing. Yeah. She's the glue to our team, mm-hmm. and then the second is my my main contractor. Slash okay. project manager. Okay. So he manages all the, all the flips. Mm-hmm. And then we have a bunch of subs that, that they, they say work with us, but they're independent contractors
0: are independent contractors. Yeah, but yeah. they
1: they work mainly with us even though they're independent contractors.
0: Similar similar model. Um, yeah, I'll have a handful of contractors that work a lot with me. You know, yes. they'll, they'll work for other people too, but exactly. you know, they work a lot with me and then I have right now um, two full-time employees and yeah, the rest are just a mix of people who are subcontractors. Right. And then some bigger subcontractors, right? Like, you know, for drywall crews and things like that. Absolutely.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 a mix of them.
0: It's funny how similar our models are. <laughs> Two two people who never met uh, until it's great. We w- only w- met recently. this summer. Yeah, 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 and we've done things very similarly. It's nice to see people yeah. in
1: development as well because it's very yeah. rare, especially people like kind of our age. Yeah, exactly.
0: You don't very see rare. That. Yeah, the people I see, I see um, in development, they're, they always seem to be coming from money. They came from families that were in it. Right. Neither of us were like my real my my parents didn't invest in real estate. They right. they had their home. That was it. Exactly. Yours is the same. They
1: had a couple investments.
0: Okay, but they had no idea about developments. So it's yeah. not like I get to. I
1: would have wished, you know, they could have taught me about development, but that wasn't yeah. so.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, you figured your way out uh, to do that anyway <laughs> to overcome the uh, the obstacle. The one thing
1: I was fortunate about mm-hmm. was that my parents they really supported me, like whatever I wanted to get into. More so, we all balance each other out, kind of. My mom is mm-hmm. the most risk averse. Okay, I I like to take on risks, and my dad's with me as well. Yeah, have, my brother is the next, and um, you know, they, they they supported me when my engineering career, when we lost, when I lost my job. They supported me getting into
0: development. Maybe my mom was a little hesitant about it. Yeah.
1: But I think she was confident that uh, I'd be able to figure it out.
0: I still can't completely understand the mindset there. Just lost my job. like c- yes. you know, Guaranteed income. Well, nothing's guaranteed, but very consistent, predictable income for something that was such a shot in the dark.
1: Exactly. Now, the one thing I want to mention yeah. to, to everyone would be that I lived at home until I was 31 years old. Yeah. So I was saving up money. Wow, that's, yeah, that's, kind that's of the end that a lot of people it. don't hear. You yeah. know, it's like I didn't it was a perfect opportunity. Like during that time, it was a very dark period when we got yeah. laid off. Loved what I was doing, uh, had friends there and everything. Dark period. But looking back, that was the greatest thing that ever best thing that yeah. ever happened in 2013. And it opened up all these opportunities. So I wasn't married. Uh I didn't have a mortgage because I was still living with my parents, saving money and everything. Yeah. And so it was that's why that's part of why i felt that it was okay yeah. worst case you know you put all this money into developments and it doesn't work out uh i reset or maybe i declare personal bankers. i don't know right know? it
0: gives you the ability to take that risk a little bit that's right and i did something similar like i lived with family i i still to this day don't own my own personal home because i used i used my ability to qualify for mortgages as, as justification to not buy my own home right because if i could write living with family on a mortgage application yeah then I eliminate my personal expenses and I allow myself to qualify for. How do we not mortgages? meet earlier? We <laughs>
1: shadow each other because that's what I did. I bought these rental properties yeah, yeah. instead of buying my own
0: house. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, there's just so much better if I just get things that pay me. i exactly. I'd rather just get things that pay me. It's right. actually really, really good. Well, I mean, so what we're, we were talking about, and I mean, by the time this episode comes out, it's probably too late, but doing uh doing like a little mini golf tournament or something like that Getting yeah, some people together. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely like with this whole lockdown stuff, you know, it, it's we haven't had our regular uh, real estate meetup. So, it'd be good to get something together like that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so what else do you want to do you want to cover? Do you have anything that you'd like to chat about?
1: Well, do you want to chat about like the LPAT process? yeah that's one thing I want to mention is yeah. that uh, the developments are never guaranteed. It's a public process. You know, you're going through committee adjustments or like for the small scale And uh, we do everything we can, obviously, to increase our chances of approval from engaging neighbors early, talking to them, to, um, you know, having conversations with the planning staff really early on, sharing with them with our proposal, see if they're on board. Uh, So anyways, we lined up, we did everything we could, all of our due diligence, and we had full planning staff support, design review panel support, so they liked uh, the design that we we're coming with. Which
0: one was this? Just for the eight?
1: The same one, actually. So in St. Catharines.
0: Oh, for that one. Okay. That was one to six,
1: yeah. um, but we got rejected at the committee.
0: And why do you think that happened?
1: The thing that was most frustrating about this particular case was that they never gave justification. They just one said no. One committee member just said, "I feel uncomfortable with this," and before we could even give a rebuttal, they put a motion to to reject. Yeah. And. To my surprise, I was shocked. There was only five uh, members on that committee. Two other people put up their hand. Lost three to two, and that was it. That was done.
0: So they just voted. So is it majority on the, on those committees? Majority so, on those committees. Okay. Right. So if one doesn't agree, but four do, you're you're okay. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So the thing is, though, we regrouped. Um, yeah. Me and my business partners on that deal, Andy Tran, Steve Ford. We looked at uh, what we're proposing. We looked at the support. We looked at. All the facts. Like, you know what? Let's go. For, let's go for the appeal. So we appeal, we appeal to LPAT, local. Uh, that's the former OMB, Ontario Municipal Board.
0: Right, and they're so. For context, uh, they're the, the basically the appeal process. They're the last and final say in the legal system of Ontario's development. Exactly. Yeah. So
1: okay. that's the local planning appeal tribunal. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, it's final. Yeah. And so we went through that process. Like you said, we were delayed a year.
0: It's crazy. That's kind of the expectation when it goes to LPAT. Yeah. See, that's what I hate. I, I don't like that just one person has a bad day i'm not comfortable yeah doesn't cost them anything but it costs you something it costs you That's a right. whole year and imagine we didn't yeah. have
1: any rent coming in going to yeah. be one whole year yeah. where if you had vacant land or you demolished the house yeah nothing coming in you were lost that could kill yeah. your project or definitely yeah. hurt your hurt your profit significantly
0: like it just, just putting that into context like why did that person feel like it's okay f- for no justifiable reason to right. just say nah no, you're not going to do that. <laughs>
1: and so that helped. Because when you go to LPAT, yeah. all your evidence is already written there. There's a transcript of everything, of that everything said. that's Of everything that's happened. Yeah, and you could see that. Yeah. They just said, oh, I feel uncomfortable. And it was like done. Okay. So, unfortunately, I mean, we went to LPAT. We, um, we got support from, from mm-hmm. them. And, uh, yeah, we overturned uh, the committee's decision. And we are off to the races.
0: Was it like an adjudicator? Is there a panel? It's a
1: board member. They're, they're an adjudicator. Yeah. And it's interesting in this case, because the city actually supported our application. Yeah. They de- did not come to LPAT. They didn't show up there to defend because it would have made sense.
0: Oh, the city would have defended their position, right? Yeah, exactly. So there they was no supported. one there in the there room There was nobody defending. in the room. It was
1: just us. Yeah. That being said, though, you always have to... It's all, the onus is on you as the applicant prove to prove why is this um, uh, makes sense from a planning perspective. What's the justification? So we had experts. We had a planning expert come in. We had our, uh, our planner who was like, he talked about kind of the urban design aspects of how it made sense, how it fit the existing character in the neighborhood. Um, and again, we, we're, we're, it was good. It was a good process and we went through and got the approvals.
0: Yeah. What did it cost you to, to do that? It was
1: roughly an extra 20,000. Now, if you're talking to large developments, you, know, you could be easily 100,000 plus. Mm-hmm. Because we were the smaller scale infill um, it didn't cost as much. The extra cost came with hiring our lawyer and hiring the planner.
0: Yeah, to so you're do just all, paying them hourly.
1: Hourly to do all the due diligence and then represent just to prepare
0: us. and then come in. Exactly. So and that they, day alone, they're charging you what, like 500 bucks an it, hour it, each.
1: It was, it was less than that, um, but uh, yeah, it was it, it added up quite a bit.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but they're worth gold, though. Make sure
0: you hire yeah, you the hire best lawyer yeah. you
1: can and the planner well,
0: as this well. Is, you, you, you make the plan to do this based on, you know, knowing what the costs involved are. And yes. you just make sure it's worth it. But to to skimp on it and use bad representation because you don't have the money oh, to spend. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's not going to work out well. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So we got approval there for this project in January. Okay. And then COVID hit. Okay. The building permit process was, it took a long time. So
0: they just shut you down for a little while.
1: Everything was basically shut down at the city for
0: a while. So no new permits. When did new permits open back up?
1: That was only recently, like a couple months ago. Okay. And then we recently got our permit just uh, like, yeah, a few weeks ago, a month ago.
0: Okay. So you got the new permit, you're into the ground now. And how long are you figuring it's going to take you to build that?
1: Typically for a new build, we, we try to go within six months. For these ones, because they have uh, the completed, the finished basement suites, uh, it's going to take, we're uh, targeting seven, eight months.
0: Do you have to close out the first permit before you can start the basement suite? You do. Is you there a way that you can yeah, really speed so, that up?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, one way to speed it up, we learned from some previous projects, is that you can finish your entire basement. Just don't have the kitchen.
0: Okay, so you can still finish it, drywall it. Yeah. So tape it all up. That's right. Can you put flooring down? You can. Can you put it in cabinets?
1: no you no can't cabinets. put in the kitchen can't put the kitchen in
0: okay so just leave the stubbed out you can, plumbing. Like, you can do
1: like a wet bar and then rough it in
0: okay so but you could you could just leave the plumbing stubbed out and then literally just bring in your kitchen afterwards i don't know
1: if it's supposed to be like stubbed out stubbed out but
0: yeah oh so hide it behind the wall yeah, right? yeah exactly <laughs> put it behind a cover panel that's <laughs> right
1: but that saves a lot of time yeah. by finishing the basement having it all ready yeah and the huge thing is fire separation
0: yeah oh my goodness if you don't do your fire separation i know front, all about it extra yeah.
1: costs extra time
0: so yeah that's so in the basement um when the inspector is inspecting it initially he will actually look for your fire separation and they know, yeah. like they, they understand know, what yeah. you're
1: doing they know what you're doing so you're just um, talking
0: about covering up your your rim joist and how you need to show that that actually is properly fired fire, fire and, rated and we get to take pictures of everything. Take, so you take pictures of, of everything all, and that saves you if you do that that through the well, process i mean
1: because that was on our initial drawings yeah. And then it passed inspection. We're okay, okay, so
0: it was in your original drawings and it passed inspection. Perfect. Yes. Exactly. That's but a great tip. That's a great you tip. Ha-
1: like, I know some people that, that they didn't have the initial drawings. Yeah. And when they're going for their next permit to do the basement suite, Yeah. there's no proof. Yeah. Now they have to rip down.
0: Drywall and show. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be ripping apart work because no. that'll get really costly, really fast.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Such so an interesting process. If you
1: don't do that process, though, and you go for the two units up front there's double your development charges
0: yeah so that's that was the uh, you know the obvious next question is why don't people do that and the big thing is um you're avoiding when you convert which means you have the existing unit and then you apply for the basement dwelling that's conversion whereas if you're doing it as part of the the, the uh the initial permit that's a two-unit building. Exactly. Which they're going to charge you two sets of development charges, yes. which for those who aren't familiar with development <laughs> charges, they're just a big check that you write to the, the municipal government for nothing.
1: So in St. <laughs> Catharines...
0: For the right to, to build a, a structure.
1: The city yeah. of St. Catharines actually has no development charges, but the region of Niagara, it's two-tier
0: there. Okay, yeah. They do.
1: And it's gone up a lot. I feel in almost Valleys, across the board, development charges have gone up a ton.
0: Well, I noticed they're less in like more rural places like Welland. I, I think that it's barely anything. Um, and out where I'm building out towards Sarnia in uh, Plimpton, Wyoming, yeah. I, it was, I think it was like eight grand a unit. Wow. Um, but I've I've seen in London uh, more recently, I think we're up to almost 40 grand wow. uh, for a single detached home. So in St. Catherine's yeah. there
1: for New Region Niagara, we paid 39000 mm-hmm. for two semis there.
0: Okay, so 49,000 in total. So basically roughly, roughly 20,000 per unit. 20,000. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I think for townhouses I've, I've been seeing in, in London, it's like yeah, around twenty thousand. Now in
1: Hamilton, yeah. it's more than 50,000 per unit.
0: 50,000 per unit. Yeah. Hence why there are so many illegal <laughs> units in Hamilton. Like, I mean, if, the, if it doesn't make sense, people are just going to skirt it. And that's it, clearly it, it, that's it's, happening. It's
1: ridiculous how much it is. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, have you can you convert in Hamilton like are you do you get one for free as part of a conversion? Yeah, so you're doing
1: the incremental development, you're converting yeah. from a single family home, you're adding a basement suite. Yeah. There's
0: no development, no development charge charges there. there.
1: All you do you pay is parkland dedication.
0: Yeah, parkland. In in London you don't even pay that. It's really? it's just not, it's just a permit fee there. Well, it makes
1: yeah. se- like it makes sense. You should yeah. we should be encouraging these to help with affordability and everything, yeah. right? Like that's why we we yeah. really believe in these intensification strategies, yeah, such as the basement suite, you know, the infills
0: right so abstract conversation time um our <laughs> government wants to wants to create more housing because they know we're, we're at a shortage of housing which is why our real estate prices are so insane yet we get hit with all these fees plus the cost to build is being driven up and a large drivers of the cost of our building are tariffs on on imports uh re- regulation massive uh and then you have hst which is baked into everything and then right. into the final home cost Um, so we add all these things in and and it's just this dilemma we have in ontario where it's really expensive for guys like you and i to do this so we need to keep passing that cost on to end home buyers but this cost is going up faster than their wage right exactly i don't think anybody's wage doubled in the last year but two (laughs) by fours did lumber did Um, exactly you know so it's 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 an interesting dilemma and as a real estate investor I've, i've been thinking about this for a long time like how do i take advantage of that like what's that mean for me and all I can really come back to is get my name on as much stuff right now and hold on to it.
1: Buy as much land as you can,
0: <laughs> land and buildings, right? Because in a in a in a growing economy, as far as I can see, it would never make sense for a house to be less be valued at less than its replacement cost. Right. So as long as I know, like land plus replacement cost, uh, as long as I know that that's kind of my bottom line, reasonably should be, unless our market just totally tanks and everything goes to heck. But then there's other problems. <laughs> uh, then I should be okay, and that's kind of the strategy I proceed with. But uh, certainly wouldn't be in downtown Toronto right now, because if you look at their, their pricing is probably double the cost of replacement on most assets, because it's all land-driven. Exactly. Land is the variable, because if people don't want to be there anymore, that's, that's a big variable. So right. Anyways, not to go on too much of a tangent. Um, <laughs> Charles, what do, you, uh, what do you got there? You got a binder. I, I know you were talking about a course. Uh yes. You can just hold it up there and show us. Yeah. Here's a thick binder
1: that Andy, Steve, and myself have, have been working on. So we actually developed a course yeah. to train people about infill developments. Yeah. Uh, Steve talks about the construction. Andy's expertise is on the design side. He's the basement suite guy, a lot of people call yeah, him that. Yeah. And I'm on the development side. So we actually held this course just uh, two weekends ago. Okay. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. It went really well. Um, very proud of what we did. And uh, this book is that looks like a lot of work. Over, it's over four hundred. <laughs> it's over four hundred <laughs> pages. It yeah. is. It is very thick. Yeah. But what we want is we want to teach people infills. Yeah. And we want more more infill developers. The more infill developers are, the more it helps all of us, and the more it helps our communities as well. because yeah. There's still one of our biggest issues would be like outdated zoning bylaws. Now I know we yeah. don't go through zoning, but the thing is the zoning is very important because it dictates mm-hmm. what minor variance is required. And so some of these zoning bylaws in the cities we're working in are 20, 30 years old.
0: Yeah, they're not appropriate anymore. They're not appropriate. They actually weren't even appropriate <laughs> yeah. then. Uh, like Hamilton, for example. Like, exactly. They have entire neighborhoods in like a C-zone, I think, which requires 25-foot frontage. But you might have all the houses with 20-foot frontages. Exactly. It doesn't make sense. That's exactly. not appropriate. That's right. Yeah.
1: So the more infill developers there are, we feel the municipalities mm-hmm. are going to be, um, they're going to understand it more. They're going to see more applications come yeah. in. And there's going to be more people that are, that are doing these. And yeah. it's it's going to teach more people, and even I feel with neighbors, they'll they'll be they'll probably open up more to it, um, with these infills filling the gaps they call it. We like yeah. to call it. You know, yeah. you walk down, you see uh, an empty lot or a, a detached garage that's dilapidated. You know, it's gonna yeah. It's gonna revitalize it and an in infill you'll rebuild there,
0: so. Okay, so is there some simple advice that you can give to people listening? Um, you know, everyone's got a city they live in. You know, most of our listeners are Canadian. There's gonna be some Americans there too, which I, I'm not sure how much of the wisdom applies. I think some of it does. Yep. Um, can we look for lots, you know, in our neighborhood? You know, can I look for something here in Burlington and be able to sever a lot off of it like you've been able to do?
1: Yeah, there, there are these opportunities everywhere for the small scale infills. Just go around your neighborhoods, walk around. Uh, i like to look on even google maps look for like large patches of just green really lawn. big green that's it <laughs> okay. or like i mean just walk around once you know what to look for that side yard extra large side yard rear yeah. yard the detached garage the shed once you know what to look for you're going to see them everywhere
0: to start to see those opportunities absolutely so we've mentioned this on the show before but go back to your zoning map for your city and read your zoning bylaws and see what what yes. zones apply what areas they're in Uh, And then you can get a feel. So when you're walking around, go figure out what zone's there. Figure out what the requirements are. And see, hey, you know, hypothetically, would I be close if I cut it in two? Exactly, and just sketch yeah. it out. Sketch Draw it on out. a piece yeah. of paper. I used to do that a lot in London. <laughs> I used to print it out, and then I would have a scale ruler, and I would be, I would mark things up to. Just oh, figure you're out, good.
1: You're just scale. I don't even. Uh, I I just would like use, well,
0: I would, I would come up with something. It wouldn't be perfect, but yeah. I would, it would be close enough that I would, I would know whether it was something I wanted to put a firm offer in. Because right. for me at the time, I wasn't getting good deals unless I put in firm offers. So I, I would do that due diligence ahead, and I'd say, okay, I know I could do this. That's and then, typically,
1: Andrew, that's typically what we do as well. Yeah. We do all our due diligence up front. Yeah. And then we're trying to bring down that cost, right? Yeah. So we'll go in the firm offer. Yeah, it,
0: it would, which we can't recommend because there's huge risks <laughs> yeah. with that. So, um, but Take that it, off the video. <laughs> it, yeah. No, I mean, whatever. Like you, you it's, it's one thing to know people do it, but it's another thing to do it. And I've had people ask me, you know, like, we can't get stuff, you know, we're gonna to have to go firm i'm like do you have it in cash no okay well that sounds like a bad idea but yeah. we, but sometimes people do it uh it's it's a bad idea if you don't have contingencies Andrew, two of yeah. the other
1: things i want to mention about yeah. that would be one i'm sure a lot of your listeners are real estate investors themselves yeah take a look at your own portfolio since Where talking about land? infill development yeah and knowing what to look for we've known a bunch of people who have uh infilled like severed their own, own properties. properties.
0: Yeah, you might just have an extra wide lot. Absolutely. Frontage is a big thing, right? If you have a lot of frontage, there's something you might be able to do. I have one property where I've got uh, probably another 100 feet of area in my backyard, wow. uh, which I can I can use for a secondary unit. So yep. that's something, it's, it's kind of on my purview. I don't feel the urgency, but it's it's something I'm looking at doing.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then the other thing would be, um, we're, we're talking about going firm. Yeah. Uh, sometimes... It, there's a, there's a premium to these lots. Maybe the owner knows about the development potential. A lot of cases, the owners view it as a nuisance. Yeah. It's like, oh, all this law in the cut, it's, it's terrible. Right. Or we're like, wow, that's where all the opportunity is. But the people who are aware of it, don't overpay for the lot. You go, it's just like a flip. You overpay at the, front, at the beginning, there's no margin for
0: you at the yeah. end. Yeah, know your numbers.
1: And the one big thing there is if you're going through the mortgage financing, maybe bank in paying uh, some more down payment. Because maybe you won't get that eighty percent because it won't appraise at the full purchase price. Right. If you're paying whatever twenty yeah. percent uh, premium for the well, development potential. Right? Well, that
0: goes back to having contingencies, right? Like, oh yeah. Like I mean, if I went firm on something, I I'm, I'm ready to close cash if I need to. Right. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll that's the level of preparedness I have. Everyone has their own tolerance for risk. That's kind of where I'm at at the moment. If, exactly. Or I know I can get private money or something. Right. So, um charles where do people reach you if they want to follow you do you know instagram is that where you want or is there somewhere else we should send them uh
1: yeah maybe send them there i don't yeah. really check um <laughs> but email is probably the best yeah. or you know email actually email uh info developments uh, our our email right there it's info at infill okay and that's kind of our general mailbox yeah and you'll be able to get to me through there
0: and can people still take this course is this something that can take in the future? Potentially? We haven't
1: set one yet, but yeah, yeah we will hold the yeah. one next
0: year. Okay. It looks like it's infildevelopments.com.
1: Infildevelopments.com. Take okay. a look there. Uh, those contact page there. That's probably the best way to, to reach me.
0: Perfect. Okay. This was uh, this was really awesome. I really appreciate the chat and and having you come down. Thanks for having and, me. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Uh, yeah. i look forward to, uh, to more golf soon. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Just a friendly reminder that the kindest thing that you can do if you're enjoying this content is to share it with somebody that you think it could help. I don't have a big marketing budget for this podcast. Everything is word of mouth. So your sharing this content means everything. Thank you again. I'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.